from Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The Gospel of the Lord fire and division and hypocrites. At first reading, our gospel from Luke might not feel like good news. We like the other parts of Luke better. The prodigal son, the lost coin, the characters and stories of love and welcome and hope. We like the nice Jesus, the palatable Jesus. This sounds like angry Jesus, impatient Jesus, frustrated Jesus. It's not an image we often go to when we're thinking of our favorite Bible passages. And earlier this week, I met with fellow pastors for our pastor Bible study going over the text for today. And as soon as we finished reading, everyone sort of sat back for a moment. And before I could say anything, my colleagues were wondering what they would do with this Luke text. And I sat there, and I had done some prayer and reading and research beforehand already, and so as I listened to them, thinking about all the ways in which this text is troublesome, I interrupted to say, I actually really like these words from Jesus. <laughs> which I guess is weird, looking at Cam's face, looking at, yeah, okay. I know, it's right here, I get it. And you guys know me, I'm not really a fire and brimstone kind of preacher, but I love the fire imagery that Jesus uses. And I'm not a big fan of division or discord, but I love Jesus' honesty in his description of the realities of relationships and faith. And I don't usually love angry Jesus calling people hypocrites, but I found myself really grateful for Jesus' words of frustration for the present time. And so maybe I'm weird, or maybe we just need to go deeper into Jesus' words together. Or maybe I'm just weird anyway, and that's fine too. <laughs> Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. And I get how that can sound scary. But just a few chapters earlier, Jesus was scolding some of his disciples for wanting to call down a fire of vengeance on a town that hadn't welcomed them. And so... What if the fire that Jesus brings isn't the fire of vengeance that we imagine? It isn't the fire and brimstone judgment and punishment that we've heard before. What if it's the baptism of fire that John the Baptist was talking about in Luke chapter 3? Before Jesus' own baptism in the Jordan River, John was busy 
preaching and baptizing people, and he tells the crowds in Luke 3.16, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Are you starting to see where I'm going with this? Gabe is nodding, he knows. Because in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus dies, rises from the dead, and then ascends to the right hand of God, his followers are all gathered in a room, and suddenly it's wind and fire that fills that room, and each of those followers has a tongue of fire above their heads, and each are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I can't help but think that Jesus' impatience is for that moment, for that baptism of fire, for the Holy Spirit to come pouring out over his followers, giving them language and courage. And fire is not necessarily a bad thing. We use it as an image for courage and inspiration and energy. We find it in a lot of our worship songs, many of which we're going to be singing today and have already sung. We sing for God to ignite us on fire for God's love, for the fires of God's justice in the world. What if Jesus is naming his own impatience for the Holy Spirit, for the fire of God's inspiration to fill those around him. Because he's got a long road before them. So of course he's under some stress. And so Jesus moves into this discourse saying, Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Jesus goes from the ways that households will be divided because of him, and it is heartbreaking. Many of us know all too well the difficulty of division in our families, in our communities. I kept thinking this week about Carol Thompson's prayer during our Prayers of the People last Sunday. And if you weren't here, she pleaded with God to bring love in our divided world, that with all the political divisions, she called for a reminder that we can disagree and not hate one another. And I called Carol earlier this week as I was working on my message for today, asking if it was okay if I named her in my sermon, because I know sometimes it's scary to have the pastor talk about you while she's preaching. And Carol very kindly gave me permission, and she also said that she couldn't even remember what her prayer was, that the Holy Spirit had just moved her into speaking. That fiery spirit. Oh, is that just something she knew what I was doing today? I thought about Carol's prayer and Jesus' words of division, and I kept wondering how can we reconcile Jesus' words here with the words of peace throughout Luke and the other Gospels. I thought about the ways in which healthy boundaries and a call for justice do sometimes mean pushing back against verbal, physical, or emotional abuse by those we are meant to be in relationship with. Sometimes good and healthy boundaries means changing a relationship, Sometimes it means closing off communication between those who are harmful towards us. And I wonder if Jesus, in his impatience around his own death and resurrection, and his impatience for the coming of the Holy Spirit, is simply naming the reality of life, naming the reality that God's kingdom is here and also not yet, that relationships can be painful and sometimes harmful, that a life following Jesus is often not very peaceful. Our Hebrews text does a great job of listing off all of the ways in which lives of faith have led to suffering and violence and heartache. Dwayne, that was a wonderful job reading through all of those names from the prophets and the judges. That's not an easy reading to do, so thank you. But our own fellow Christians can also be 
sources of places where we disagree, where we struggle, where we don't know how to be in relationship together. And sometimes we find ourselves being told that we're not welcome because of the way in which we understand Jesus' love and grace in our world. And so we can know what it means to be sharing that love and that grace and also know what it means to have those relationships divided. And what I think is interesting, what I think I like about Jesus' honesty here is that he doesn't say that those relationships in those households always end. We've gotten so used to the extremes of division. We've gotten so used to disagreeing so much that we are no longer in relationships with those we disagree with. We tend to move into silos of people who think and talk and believe mostly just like us. And we never move forward in our own understandings of the world or our relationships together. Sometimes we find the middle ground of division where we just don't talk about those things that we disagree on. But in some ways that also ends the kinds of relationships we might have with those around us. Our conversations can be more shallow, sidestepping anything too serious. And so what if, what if Jesus is pointing to the honest reality that our lives of faith are going to be filled with division, but that doesn't mean that those relationships end. A father and son may be against each other, but Jesus still names them father and son. A mother and daughter may struggle with conversations, but they are still in relationship together. And I'm going to say it one more time just to be clear. I'm not talking about relationships, about conversations, about people who act in ways that are abusive, oppressive, or dangerous. Sometimes healthy boundaries mean that relationships do end. That's part of this honest reality. But for those relationships, those conversations where we feel against one another, I wonder if Jesus is getting at the truth that even in our division, we can still be in relationship with one another, in conversations with one another, even when that seems difficult or uncomfortable. I wonder if Jesus might be calling us into that deep connection and respect and love, even in the midst of seemingly impossible division. Because Jesus is looking at that whole picture, looking towards the fiery Holy Spirit pouring out over the apostles, looking back to the cloud of witnesses that came before and will be in the future, looking at our Hebrews text, in that long list of witnesses that came before and the way that they are all gathered together in our reading, I seriously doubt that those who crossed the Red Sea ever thought that they would be in the same paragraph with a foreign prostitute named Rahab. But God says that none would be left out of this great cloud of witnesses, and so here they are together. And as Jesus is venting in what seems like a sort of angry, impatient, and frustrated rant, he looks around at those who have gathered and he wonders why they can't see what's in front of them. He wonders how they can interpret everything from earth and sky but can't seem to see what he's doing and saying. This ministry of healing and feeding and teaching, he wonders why they can't see the present time around them and he calls them hypocrites for it. And in our own present time, I understand that kind of frustration. In all of our divisions, all of the hate and anger and vengeful rhetoric that we see and hear and participate in around us, I wonder how we might interpret these present times. I wonder how we might be more forthright, more genuine in our lives. And I wonder how we might find Jesus in these present times. How we might seek a fire of courage, of inspiration, of energy, calling us into those divided places, those difficult conversations, those broken relationships, 
and running with perseverance the race that is set before us. When we need that fire, that Holy Spirit-driven faith, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, endures the cross for the sake of all of us, for the sake of the world, to baptize us with the fire of the Holy Spirit, to ignite us, to inspire us, to give us faith and courage. As that faith and courage was given to all those who came before us and all those who will come after, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And in Jesus' death and resurrection, in his baptism of fire and hope, let us also lay aside every weight, every sin that clings to us so closely. Let us run with perseverance, with courage, with fire this race. Like those who have come before us, Jesus impatiently and eagerly fills us with a fiery spirit so that we can be a bit weird, liking and being inspired by Jesus' words of fire and division, words of spirit and relationship, so that by faith we can see God's kingdom breaking through in the world, so that by faith we can seek justice for those who are oppressed, so that by faith we can share God's promises through Jesus with those around us, so that by faith in our Lord Jesus we too can hope and find that relationship and courage even in these present times. Thanks be to God. Amen.